Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. Welcome to the latest installment of the Run to Daylight podcast. I'm your host, Todd Burrows. You can find me on Twitter at Todd from PA. That's Todd with one D from PA. Um, Trying to get the Run to Daylight pods back going. Um, I've been doing the best ball uh, for uh, the Quant Edge. If you want to check that out, you can get a season pass for $20 using the code BESTBALL. But here I'm on the Run to Daylight podcast today to talk with Sigmund Bloom. Sigmund is one of the most well-known people in the fantasy space. He's the co-owner over at Football Guys. And as his bio says on Twitter, we're here to get each other through this thing, whatever it is. I couldn't agree with that sentiment more. Sigmund, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, And I guess what we're here for in a more immediate sense is uh, helping people get through the puzzle that is trying to project the upcoming NFL season. And we're in that moment right now when everything is asleep, everything's taking a little nap. I'm about to go on vacation. Everybody take a little break. Uh, and then it really gets going. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, a couple of years ago when I came on the Twitter space and started doing best ball and, and regular drafts, I avoided uh, drafting best ball uh, up until around this time. And I got convinced by somebody to uh, start doing it in February because of uh, the fact that, you know, there's less known. So the people who are better at figuring out situations gain an advantage. And over the last three years, my, uh, my profit has been better before, you know, anyone can know who to draft when, you know, we've watched three preseason games. It's a lot harder now. It's the reward for, like you say, being ahead of the curve is greater earlier in the off season, being able to anticipate these things, being able to see these things coming, uh, the route, the arbitrage, like the profit, you know, how, I mean, sometimes early on, and it's not always true. Sometimes when you do these best ball drafts, it almost feels like, Feeling, or it feels like it, it just shouldn't be this easy to get Curtis Samuel in the 11th round or something like that. And those ADPs will catch up. Like you say, that uh, information will become uh, more well-known and the cost will be more aligned. Uh, and then it gets really challenging, right? It's those drafts. It's that home league, that draft that you do re- the week before the season or those high-stakes drafts that happen even sometimes after the first Thursday night game where you really have to find the smallest of edges on your competition. Yeah, I, I play uh, – last year I played three of the football guys' drafts on the FFPC. I've already drafted one. We did a big thread on it uh, where mm-hmm. we are – where we did a uh, – Evan was involved, Evan Sylvan, some other people, so it got some nice notoriety. Nelson Souza, right. some of the big high-stakes guys – uh, but I'm a big fan of that format and your partnership over at the FFPC. Yeah, and it's a fun one, too. Look, everything that makes you have to think more about position value that skews the order players go off the board a bit from the conventional draft and forces you to strategize, to think more on your feet. Like the Scott Fishbowl is going to start in a week, right? I know we're going to talk about that. Um, yep. And because of the scoring – uh, it makes you have to take a stand on players, right? It's easier to draft when you have something, whatever, zero running back, do the opposite, or uh, anti-fragile, or some sort of draft plan that gives you your blueprint, and then you're trying to exploit market inefficiencies. I love a draft like the Scott Fishbowl because it reduces things back down to, like, what players do you believe in? Because there's not necessarily a lot of edge to be found in the scoring system. The scoring system just results good players. 
Yep, and Scott, I know, has worked really hard on that, and, and you're right, we will get into that. Um, I, you know, I, I still think there are values in some of the teams that people have overlooked a bit or are down on, mm-hmm. or even if they're on them, like I've been drafting the Cardinals since the beginning uh, with the announcement right. of Cliff Kingsbury as the coach, but I wasn't drafting Kyler Murray. Now I've been drafting him as well, uh, and I just read the book The Perfect Pass. Did you uh, did you have a chance to read that? I have not have a chance had a chance to read it, but of course I've it is the basically uh, the yeah. guy who invented the air raid. Um, now his name's slipping my mind. How uh, mummy? There you go. Thank you. And Mike Leach is uh, was his assistant coach back in the day. And there's a couple of big takeaways that I want to share when it comes to uh, what people can and why, you know, people are so high on the, the Cardinals. And meanwhile, but other than David Johnson, no one gets drafted until about the seventh round right now. Why I still think their values, the air raid isn't just about passing, but it's also about pace of play they're going to play at one of the fastest paces of plays in the league. And I know you understand this, that that turns into fantasy points. Right. Well, what it turns into also Todd is overachievers. Like that's what we're looking for. Our players that are going to overachieve and be at that very top end of the range of outcomes that we envision, or maybe even show us that we were underestimating the top end. The top end was even higher than what we calculated. And that Arizona is like the situation for that. There are other offenses that we can nominate, but there's so many, and you'll have to stop. What's that? I think I lost Sig. I'm still here. Hello, hello. Okay, now I can hear you. Go ahead. You got me back? No problem. Yeah. So it's because I'm getting it's because I'm getting so excited about Arizona oh, about getting to talk I, about. I, I, no, I want you to, and I, I'm, I'm gonna, let me throw a log on the fire if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, uh, one of the things about the offense that you just what did what did you just say about oh hitting uh one of the big things one of the big takeaways of that book was that how Mummy's system was designed to get the most out of average or below average players. In other words, if right. you look at his history, he kept going to schools where he couldn't recruit as well as his competition, and his system made up for the fact that he didn't have as much talent as everyone else. Now he goes to the Cardinals, where arguably he has as much talent as, uh, right. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury, you know, Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, David Johnson, Kyler Murray. Uh, there's uh, Andy Isabella. There's five, six guys who have a ton of talent who are now going to be working in offense that works great even without talent. So there's a log on the fire if you want to keep right. running with it. Oh, I will. I will run with it. And I, I, I appreciate the opportunity to to uh, wax, wax rhapsodic about this because it's a convergence <laughs> factor. Well, no, this is it's really fantastic. I love it. Go. You, Yep. Todd, you can take it apart. First, you, at the center, you have the rom-com of the 2019 fantasy football season, which is Kyler and Cliff. Um, they've loved each other from a distance, right? Uh, Cliff Kingsbury wants, want, has wanted Kyler Murray to run his offense. Like you say, not just getting the most out of average or below average players. Here's your ideal player in Cliff Kingsbury's mind to take this concept and push it to its limit. And as you said, you have all these other pieces. You can, you can even start talking about guys like Ricky Seals-Jones and Charles Clay, you know, um, Kevin White Chase has Edmonds. an air raid background. Chase Edmonds, yeah, if Chase Edmonds was put in a large role, he would produce. So what it really comes down for, to for fantasy football, for best ball drafts, high-stake drafts, all this different stuff that we're doing in the Arizona offense, is having your mind open to something that you didn't contemplate, something that we haven't seen before. The outliers, the true outliers, are what wins leagues. And you have to be able to see where these um, 1%, 3% kind of chances light up, or maybe with the 1% chance is really a 10% chance, and we're just underestimating it. This is a scheme that's going to be taken to the field in a pure way that we haven't seen before on an NFL field. And you can tell by how much starting with the number one pick. And the NFL is 
a little lumbering and slow to adjust. Matt Waldman talks about the four-week intervals. You know, So there's the first four weeks I think that defenses just aren't going to be able to prepare for – they're going to learn on the job of because it's a different kind of offense. It's based more on spacing. It's not based on timing. It's not based on um, – routes and precision it's based more on everybody it's more of like a basketball fast break or something where everybody just has to have a similar basic starting understanding and then you have a kyler murray forcing the defense to play 11 on 11 and that creates mismatches that creates that distorts the defense it's going to distort the defense in a way and what i'm really excited about todd is listening for camp of who gets it. Because really, I think, you know, it could be Trent Sherfield. Like you said, under, you know, average or below average players can function in this offense because the value in this offense is created by the putting the defense in a bad position and execution by the quarterback. So as long as Kyler Murray is executing, whoever it is at the end of those passes could be finding a lot of room to run. And oftentimes uh, we could see, here's what I'm envisioning, Todd, is after the first three weeks, maybe like five or six different Cardinals have had 100-yard receiving games or, or, or pass, receiving touchdowns because I think that there's going to be humility from Cliff Kingsbury about who really makes this offense go. But if we want to get back to like actionable fantasy advice, there's Kyler Murray. Okay, Kyler Murray's ceiling is unknown. Kyler Murray could easily be the fantasy football quarterback one this year. I don't think that's controversial at all. So taking I, I said last year Pat Mahomes could be the number one. Right. And people looked at me like I had two heads, but I, I you know, exactly. sometimes you can, you can see through the trees. Exactly. And, and that's the thing, like, like the thing, like everybody in fantasy football that like takes the time to be part of this calendar and puts together their portfolio of teams and things like that should have at least one or two things they're committing to that makes people look at them like they have two heads. It might be different for you. Your thing looking at me like I have two heads take is different than mine at least a little bit to something that people find outlandish because you, you're seeing the golden thread, you're seeing the things start to line up, then you're not truly embracing what makes fantasy football leagues gears turn. It's those few outliers every year, and they're going to come from Arizona. So it also comes like early waiver wire runs. You know, Don't question it. If Ricky Seal Jones has four for 100 and a touchdown in the first game, then bid half of your fantasy waiver wire dollars on him. Or, you know, if, if there's a surprise starter like Demir Bird or something like that. Like, buy into the possibility that whatever happens in this Arizona offense is going to tilt fantasy leagues. Yep. A couple of the things that have me really excited. Um, Cliff Kingsbury, average score his four years in college, 38 to 35. Um, the Cardinals don't have a good defense. It's one of the things that uh, I've learned over the last couple of years. You know, we talk about these epiphanies. And, like, we understand that uh, having a bad defense – but the correlation, and it can go both ways. I stopped drafting Drew Brees when that Saints defense got better because his ADP didn't adjust to what I felt was uh, going to be a downtick in opportunity. In the same way, the fact that the Cardinals have such a bad defense and one of my other sleeper teams that we're going to talk about that I think is underpriced, the same thing. Having a bad defense is a great way to get more offense. I don't know how that happened. Right, Hold on. You're back. All right. And I'm yeah, back. Uh, I was talk I was waxing about how ba- I don't know how that happened. Uh, I looked up and your and your mic was uh, shut off and I didn't touch it. Uh, but basically what I was saying was that bad defense yeah is a big opportunity for the offense and the Cardinals have a bad uh you know they're going to be a bad defense. Cliff Kingsbury his 4 years in college Average uh, average score was 38 to 35. That's another hidden uh, thing here in this yeah. whole air raid system. And then the the last thing is that uh, that I re- a big takeaway from the book was that the system is unlike most coaches that have a playbook that you could literally beat someone to death with. You know, right? The air raid is like five or six plays. But each player, based on what they're seeing the defense doing, react with an option play. And having a lightning-quick quarterback that has uh, uh, good accuracy is what, uh, as you said, what funnels this whole thing. 
Yeah, it's beautiful because it's not structured in a way that you can prepare for it. I mean, I think teams – so I think what you're going to see, Todd, is I expect Aerie to be a success. I expect more of its DNA to get in NFL pass offenses. And then NFL defenses are going to go and look – I think there was a good piece done on Iowa State this offseason. And there's a different way of approaching the air raid because it's not structured like the offenses that teams are preparing for. And it's not based on a similar kind of like pivot points or – forks in the flow chart of how the decisions are made it's it's a little more amorphous or a, you know like an amoeba that can change forms based on what the defense presents it and whatever works is going to keep working or at least going to keep working that day right that's why i see i can see like andy isabella having four for 115 two touchdowns one week maybe the next week because of the matchups or because of what kyler murray sees it's a different player and then it's a different player but there's going to be massive successes and you bring in the game script uh, issue the, the high scoring games and that's another thing we should be thinking about game script and that bad defense because that creates like, it almost like compresses the game so that there's more possessions there's higher risk plays made there's more production and uh patrick peterson's gonna be out for the first six weeks you know um oh my god i mean yeah i i, I knew that but i had forgotten it that's so, another add, one add gasoline I mean, to the fire todd you know <laughs> well let's talk about some other uh, uh we I think anyone who has listened to us realizes that we both love the Cardinals this year. Uh, we, we both still think at ADP there's room for growth. Uh, but uh, I think a point that Sig made that's a really good one is um, they might be better for best ball than they are for redraft simply in the sense if you're not going to know who's going to go off each week and they're starting four wide receivers, uh, that that can be challenging once you get outside of Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald. But let's right. talk a little bit about some other underpriced defenses. I'm going to throw mm-hmm. three of them out at you, and um, I want to get your, your take on each one. Uh, one is the Cincinnati Bengals. One is the uh, Oakland Raiders. And the third is, is, I guess they're not underrated, but the Tampa Bay Bucks is another def- uh, offense that uh, a, a lot of people are talking about. Uh, which one do you want to hit first? Well, Cincinnati is not as fun now that Jonah Williams got hurt. So I guess we should start with Tampa. Okay. Yeah. So I'm I'm big on OJ Howard and Chris Godwin. But now you've got Evans in the second, you've got Godwin in the fourth or fifth, and Howard in the fifth, uh, maybe sixth. Uh, it, it, you know, ha- have you know, have we gotten out in front of our skis a little bit on the Bucks? I think that probably not, because we, well, and the question is um, why wouldn't Jameis Winston's ADP be higher? But you know, that's quarterback like that's so deep. I understand waiting on any quarterback except for Kyler Murray. Uh, but anyway, I, I do think that, you know, it, it absolutely, we saw this offense get supercharged uh, last year, and Bruce Arians has a philosophy and approach, and Jameis Winston aligns. That's what's kind of exciting here, is maybe not in terms of sheer numbers, because the Tampa offensive production pie was so huge last year, but in terms of efficiency, in terms of building momentum and uh, um really having a play style that matches his scheme. Jameis Winston is with the right coach in Bruce Arians. No and doubt. And then these talent. And look, Mike Evans. So I, I like to think about this. I'm an optimist, Todd. You know, I like to think like really two or three weeks, because uh, the one player and, and two players really in the Arizona offense, Todd, I mean, uh, David Johnson and Kyler Murray could have best ball and redraft, um, big profitability. And Kyler could be the guy that, two or three games into the season, people are saying like, wow, whoever has Kyler Murray has a good chance to win their fantasy league this year. Cause he's putting up like routinely like 30 and 40 point games just because of the game script and because of how the offense puts him front and center. But Jameis Winston, I think could make a step forward and support Mike Evans. And, we, and look, Mike Evans really justifiably through lots of uh, inconsistent and changing quarterback play, Mike Evans was still knocking on the door of that top five, the, like the receivers that are going to go in the first round this year, Hopkins and Adams and Julio Jones. Like he was basically right there. And a little better play from Jameis Winston could get him there. Um, Godwin, I think, you know, just by sheer number of targets and value of targets will be there. Although I see Godwin in a mix of a lot of players that could take a step forward this year, like Corey Davis and, and Kenny Galladay and Christian Kirk, who we talked about. 
So I'm not saying he's necessarily my highest priority in that tier. And then you bring up O.J. Howard. He's the one that's most interesting because he was just just destroying it last year before he got hurt. Yeah, he's amazing. And he doesn't have as much competition for targets now. And people are looking at Bruce Arians' history with the tight end. Don't worry about that. I mean, Bruce Arians was marveling at O.J. Howard whenever he he he, also – I, I I sorry to interrupt, but I you know yeah, I kept hearing that about oh he can't uh, he he hates tight ends you know sometimes yeah. uh, sometimes the, the the facts are facts and other times the facts are fiction. Heath Miller in uh, uh, had his best year ever under Bruce Arians, seventy seven catches, um, I think it was like seven hundred and seventy yards and uh, six touchdowns with Bruce Arians one year. Definitely his best year ever. And and Heath Miller, as nice of a player as he is, doesn't have near the ability that O.J. Howard has. So uh, from that point on, I was drafting O.J. Howard pretty regularly. Yeah, he could end up being the answer, like the right answer at tight end. Like, which tight end should you have taken? O.J. Howard. Um, and he, like, <laughs> I love that, yeah. Fifth, sixth, seventh round. Well, look, here's another thing, like a, a, a abstracting out, Todd, to just a larger strategy concept. The fifth, sixth, seventh round of your draft, and, that's, and honestly, I'm talking, whether we're talking best ball or redraft or whatever, is where you should be taking big swings for the players that you think have a great potential to overachieve that and, and really be somebody that we look back and say they should have gone in the second or third round, and that's where they end up going next year. So players on that upward trajectory, and there's, they're at every position. I, I couldn't agree more. You know, so I couldn't you agree want to, more. You want some, and I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is taking a fifth round pick or sixth round pick or seventh round pick that is just it's like the swinging for a single, you know. Um, and they're there; those picks are there. But uh, so OJ Howard, like, like the Rams in, wide receivers, to me this year, you right. know, I feel like you're drafting them thirty picks higher than they went last year. Todd Gurley is maybe not going to be Todd Gurley. There's a chance that the league has caught up to Sean McVay, even a little bit. And now you've got three wide receivers all going in the fourth round, you know, uh, to build on the point you were making. And it's something Mm -hmm. that really helped turn around my daily fantasy year last year um, is I look for players who have a safe floor at their, at either their cost in DFS or their draft, their ADP in, in, in uh, best ball or redraft, but that they have the talent to crush that if the opportunity grows. And all the guys that you mentioned fit that criteria that I'm looking for. I couldn't agree more that that's who you should be targeting in those rounds. Yeah, and we may differ on who those players are. Like maybe for you, it's DJ Moore. Maybe for me, um, it's, it's around not. the same time. It's <laughs> Kiki Cutie or whoever. Yeah, no, it's, and, and I think that it's just important to have conviction and take stands. But I like that we're framing this. I'd love that you wanted to frame this in terms of offenses because that's the level I'm really looking at everything right now. And then, it, and then we'll see the needle moving a little more for individual players as camp and preseason comes into form. But really you have a set of considerations based on what these offenses look like last year, but none, almost none of these offenses are going to be identical to what we saw last year. They'll get a little better or a little worse. The allotment of like, using different players, how efficient they're used, how efficiently they're used. You know, the personnel have changed. The coaches have changed. Um, players are developing. Players are getting better. Players are declining. And, and just trying to forecast that, and then that everything else is downstream from that. So once you are bullish about an offense, whether it's Tampa or Cincinnati or Oakland, Cleveland, um, Indianapolis, Philly, Chicago, San Francisco, Green Bay, Baltimore, even Buffalo, even Tennessee, you know, there's the markers of there Mariota truth. That, that's the one I want you know? to talk about next. Go ahead. Yeah, let, 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 let's get there, to them. There should be a few offenses that you, people looking out over the landscape of the upcoming NFL season say, these offenses are going to be better, a lot better, like, like materially better than they were last year. And people haven't factored that in yet. People haven't priced that in yet. So I'm going to take advantage. Yep. So uh, my thoughts on the Titans are, and this is one of the things I look for. Uh, it's a combination of can I trust the coach to make rational decisions? I did a podcast on that with uh, 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 Pat Doherty earlier this year. You know, can we trust okay. that coach to make rational decisions? Not all of them will. So that's part of the puzzle. Another part of the puzzle is, you know, 
why why is this ADP where it's at? Well, Marcus Mariota was a guy two years ago going in the seventh round. Now I routinely find him in the 19th and 20th rounds of drafts. He's coming off a year where it, it everything that could possibly go wrong with that offense went wrong. Uh, his health wasn't there. I talked to the doc. I, I have a doctor come on my pod every once in a while. He's not concerned about the nerve damage. And, and, and now they've added some nice, you know, we might love Humphreys. We might not, but he's an upgrade. A.J. Brown, yeah. an upgrade. Uh, Corey Davis, everyone wants to pigeonhole him after two years. I still think there's room for growth there. Uh, and one of my favorite players um, that I think if they if the light bulb really has gone on there, I think Derrick Henry is one of the he's the value of the top three rounds right now. Yeah, the story of the Tennessee offense during Marcus Mariota's years. I mean, Mariota and Winston are such an interesting kind of star-crossed um, duo to come in the league one two, and at different points in their careers, you like the. Mariota camp was like, we were right. He was better in the instant camp. Like, we were right. And now we may be getting, what, we're in year five now. And the right answer might be like, yeah, maybe Wentz and Goff are going to end up better, even though nobody had them better than those two at the time. So, Mariota, you know, there's some Jason Campbell here, right, Todd? Where, well, if he just could have some offensive continuity, then he'll, the light bulb will turn on. Because, you know, we had exotic Smash Mouth, which kind of took the league by surprise for a year the offensive line gelled but then it, it looked it was exposed in year two and Mariota didn't evolve um, the offensive line was once a great strength this year they went back to the drawing board at least they did make moves on the offensive line to fix those guard positions um, but uh, the offensive line wasn't uh, a plus anymore and like you say rational decision making and I'm not sure what we can say about Matt LaFleur so it's interesting because this implicates Green Bay now he's a head coach there. Very good that point. What happened, Matt LaFleur was coming from the Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay DNA. You know, he was going to maximize that offense in a way that the backwards looking like uh, exotic smash mouth didn't. And, it, and it, it was a dud. Now you might say, well, it's because Mario was hurt. But notice the pattern here, Todd. We're making excuses for Mario, right? Usually we're making, we're saying, yes, he played bad, but... Um, and or he wasn't efficient or he didn't produce. Um, so we'll see. Uh, it's hard to trust Tennessee. It's hard to trust. And, and I think at best ball, I'm not going to I'm not going to criticize any best ball quarterback pick in the uh, you know 15th round on, except for maybe you know like Eli Manning or you know, don't waste a pick. On yeah, him. and we, we can. Like, I'm a Giant fan, and we can criticize that. Yeah, I mean, but so take Mariota because, as you said, we highly – and this I love that exercise, by the way. I want to formalize this and put it in article form, and it's a really simple exercise, Todd, but I like the way you think about it because I've been thinking about it too. That like, well, a year ago or two years ago, we were willing to pay this for this player in a draft, and this year we've discounted it this greatly. Is, is that justified? Like I look at a player like Marquise Goodwin who was going in the fifth or sixth round last, this time last year and think – some things have changed, but to justify him falling to the end of drafts or even out of drafts, I think that's overreacting, and that's what we're looking for as fantasy players, especially in best ball. I know somebody exactly. asked in, the, in Twitter, are we going to talk about – what are we going to talk – are we going to talk some best ball? And I'm in Louisiana now, so I'm not legally able to play best ball. If they can get it together in Louisiana, then I will, but I love best ball. And I've, it, I've played it, – It's so much fun. I call it the one-night stand of fantasy football. Well, you know, because you, you, you know, it's, it's all it's all I the fun crap. without any of the commitment. I think yeah. I think everyone, Sig, everyone, other yeah. than the really high stake guys who play a lot of volume, most average football fans, and by average I mean a guy who's going to play. You get into fantasy, you're so excited about it. Next couple years, you just keep adding leagues, and then you get burnt out, and you get burnt out because of the grind of the waiver wires and the and, and having to pick starters and there's seven teams and you've got a life and then best ball comes along and you're like, I love to draft. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, so I, just building on what you were saying there, uh, I, I agree a hundred percent. And I think there's still, because it's relatively new best ball drafts. Um, I think there's still places. There's still a lot of places that you can get advantages on the competition uh, because it hasn't been done to death yet as far as analysis. Um, and we talked about the, and we've already really touched on like 
the big picture here is the most important thing in best ball drafts are just taking players that are being underestimated to have a great potential to overachieve what you're paying for them in the draft. And it doesn't matter if it takes a little while, like it's a rookie or something like that. It does, it, you know, there's always risk too, but you look back at the winning best ball rosters. I know you do this too, Todd, right? Like you look back at the teams that won, you know, for your best ball teams. You think, well, how did I oh, win? Winning, uh, I'm obsessed with overall win percentage. Right. Of the well, players. And looking specifically where they were drafted, is, what the circumstances were and what that equaled right. in winning percentage. Uh, I, I, right. That is that's that's a passion of mine. And when you look at those players with the highest overall win percentage, it's always players that provided some great excess value over what they cost. And look, because of the nature of the curve, like a second round pick that provides top five value is like one of maybe the most profitable. So if you can find that top five player in the second or third round, that's important as finding the seventh round, eight, sixth round value, like in the 15th round. That, but most of the that's teams, a, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. That's actually no, when okay. you find the highest win rates. It's, a, it's an effect I call the supercharge effect. And it's happened right. each of the last three years. Last year, if you look at where uh, uh, Saquon Barkley was going and where uh, McCaffrey ended up, you right. could get them together in a draft. The year before, if you took right. Lev Bell or Antonio Brown, it put you in perfect spot to get Todd Gurley and or DeAndre Hopkins. The year before that, when Bell's suspension came, you could get two of uh, Bell, David Johnson, and Zeke Elliott. I call it the supercharge effect. Like, you know how when two storms come together and create one mm-hmm. bigger storm? Right. It, that's, you know, if you can match your first and second round pick right and get two top five guys, that, you know, th- those guys have higher win rates than John Connor, who was the steal of the century in the 13th, 14th round. Right. It, 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 and it's happened three years in a row. So uh, I agree again very much. And I think, you know, uh, looking for those guys who can be top five players is very, very important in the second and third and, round. And we already talked about the, one of the guys on the show, Mike Evans. Yep. Mike, Mike Evans, absolutely one of the players that could be a top five scorer this year in the second round. Um, and I and think you know, Derrick Henry. Uh, that was the yeah, guy well, that I Derek mentioned. Henry's in- well, let's see, so going, let's go, get back on what we were talking about, because I, I, you don't let me get too straight too far from the topic, Todd, because I'll end up well, – who knows where we'll end up. <laughs> You'll um, end up I in mean, Cleveland with Baker Mayfield. Yeah, or, or in France with the U.S. versus England in the Women's World Cup right which, now. Which, we're, which um, we're missing right now, a bad planning on my part. Oh, no, 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 that's okay. Um, and, and, uh, but, but listen, um, so what's exciting about Derrick Henry is that they're going to com- truly commit to him. Exactly. Um, in, in a way, it sounds like Arthur Smith. So going back to that Marcus Mariota story, Arthur Smith, it's kind of continuity. He was a tight end coach, well thought of in the organization for sure. And he sounds like he's just open to like, I'm going to make, make things better, do what works. Um, maybe he has like a humility about him because he wasn't some hot sought after name, uh, the, the, the guys that became head coaches. Um, so we'll see. But I think it's going to be simplistic. And if the defense plays well and gives them game scripts, low-scoring game scripts, then they want to give Derrick – I mean, why not give Derrick Henry 20 – really, truly, 20 or 25 carries a game, like 400 carries. I know, remember the old curse of 370, Todd? You know, <laughs> tempt the, the boogeyman of the curse of 370. Give him 370. Give him as much as he can handle because it seems like watching him over the years, when you get him up to carry 15, 20, 25, or you have a defense in the third, fourth quarter that is tired – that's when it's going to uh, – it's going to, the dam's going to break. And you're absolutely right that if they give him a chance to do that every week, then it, it could be special. But the neat thing about this year's drafts are you can tell that kind of story for almost all of the third and some of the fourth-round running backs. It could be Leonard Fournette. It could be Marlon Mack. It could be Devontae Freeman. It could be Aaron Jones. It could be Josh Jacobs. You get to take a stand. And what's exciting about best ball drafts, That's if true. I was drafting in a typical – if I was drafting in a typical best ball league, Todd – I would really like getting a late first round draft slot because chances are you you can start with two of you might you're probably going to get one of DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham. You might get two of them. Kelsey, it's depending on how. Go ahead. Kelsey, Travis Kelsey. Kelsey. So those are, those are targets, right? So yeah, if you draft, or Michael Thomas, like here's your consolation prizes: Michael Thomas or Juju Smith-Schuster or Mike Evans. But you can start with two of those guys, non-running backs. That are just beasts, and then when you get to the three-four turn, Todd, 
I mean, you still can take Aaron Jones and, and Josh Jacobs, or you know, you, you'll see Derrick Henry. Devontae Freeman take... is there. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. Kenyon Drake is a guy who you can get in the fifth round. Yeah. Still, yes. that I, yes. I think is one of the, the, the really great opportunities in, 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 uh, in fantasy this year. You bring up Drake, and I'm so fascinated with him. Like, Todd, if we heard Chad O'Shea, and that's a fascinating name for me to think about, too. Is that I know Miami's in a tanking year, but they're going to go down swinging. And speaking of game scripts, they're going to be passing or at least playing a more open offense, probably trying to keep up with an opponent that's leading. Um, and Kenyon Drake's a tremendous passing down back. But if we heard Chad O'Shea coming from the Patriots system um, coming down and say, like, oh, Kenyon Drake's a foundational player in our offense. you know, we're, And wouldn't it make sense, too? I mean, he's a contract year, so why not? Like, okay, we're going to te- – like, look, if you can prove to us that you can be uh, a foundational player in our offense, then we'll pay you and make you one next year or maybe even during the season. I don't know. Um, it's it's kind of like, a seesaw for me. Right. And, well, and, and what do I mean by a seesaw? So Adam Gase was in Miami – and and this is where the the assumption of rational coaching comes in for me. It, what he mm-hmm. did the last couple of years with Kenyon Drake wasn't rational. Kenyon right. Drake clearly outplayed the other backs on the team, but Gase refused to give him a, a bigger workload. Now that doesn't guarantee that the new coaching staff is going to, but I don't know that it could get any worse. And his ADP has, to me, the worst case. Mm-hmm built in they didn't draft anyone at the position or maybe they did but it was really late uh and then you you talk about adam gase and his personality going over to the jets and a lot of people are still on levy on bell and i'm like wow i i I don't know i just can't trust you you're assuming he's going to get the workload he got in pittsburgh but pittsburgh is the only team in the nfl that's given backs that kind of workload consistently over the last five to seven years. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is still a fade for me. Uh, Am I crazy for that? No, you're not crazy. Well, look, I can make the case for Le'Veon Bell as a fade on multiple levels. One is, again, this idea, like, you know, Todd, I just go into it, kind of clear your mind and think about the Jets, the 2019 Jets. Are any players from that team going to overachieve? Are any of them going to do things to make us say, like, wow, He's really hitting his peak. I mean, maybe Robbie Anderson. G- G- Gase also plays at the slowest pace in the league. He's happy he to just, win a, a 17 to 13 game. Yes, and he also like plays mind games with his players. Um, exactly. All the stuff all, that are poison for fantasy owners. Yeah, and it's just been one of those things that, like, when you think back to the Adam Gase years, I mean, yeah, okay, Albert Wilson had a little brief moment there. Kenny Stills has had some brief moments there, but I think when, like, Matt Moore was passing to him. You know, there, there's been Lamar Miller. Um, it's always, like, Jay Ajay. Like, it's the, it, it's always this thing that, like, nothing lasts. Like, he, he, the fire never – and, of course, there's been quarterback injuries. They have great quarterback play. Um, you know, this is coming back around to Pat, Peyton Manning made Adam Gase, really. Um, so I, I, I was think, just like, going to hey, say that. I was so just going to say if we're that. Wrong, if we're wrong, and the, the Jets also don't have a great offensive line. I mean, they got Sam Darnold. If you believe in Sam Darnold, I can, I can see that. I could see Sam Darnold elevating the offense as he elevates his game, and maybe just it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Adam Gase, Adam Gase can't even mess that up. I don't know. But that's not where I'm going to put my chips, right? When you think about your draft, you only have a certain number of chips to put down. And you're not just – so. Uh, Todd, Todd, this is a, a, a note that I, I'm hitting a lot as I prepare and as I start thinking and talking about this stuff. We think of players as a player, right? The name of the player. And we're thinking of the player almost like their body is a boundary for like what we're drafting, like we're drafting the player, right? But that's not really true. And because we think of it that way, we think mostly about the player when we pull the trigger to select a player in our draft. But a player is really an intersection of all these forces on the field, you know, like their teammates, the, the, the opponent, how their opponent's playing them. Like, are they healthy? Um, you know, um, is the offense deployed rationally? Is it deployed with cleverness, innovation, predictable? Um, is everybody around the player executing and so on? And the, they're really an intersection of all these variables and forces. And you can take a step back and say, like, which environments are going to be better environments for these things to come together in a harmonious way. And I just don't think harmonious anything 
when I think of Adam Gase. Now, I will make an exception. <laughs> I, I agree. And, 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 I, and, and I'll add one last thing to that puzzle, yes. and then I want to ask you a couple lightning round things. Um, the, the, the big one to me is that Sam Darnold, you know, is the, is the epitome of the guy who makes some great plays and you fall in love with and you, and you offer to marry him and then he cheats on you. You know, he he is not a consistent guy. He's going to have great games and he's going to have terrible games. And if you buy that his, his great games are who he is, or if you buy who his terrible games are, that's who he is. You're going to miss on who he really is, which is someone who is inconsistent. Well, and, and will Adam Gase let him play with that a little more latitude? Because he is in that exactly. vein of, like a, of a he is in the vein of like a Win, Jameis Winston or Ben Roethlisberger. You know, we've even seen it from Matthew Stafford at times. I mean, just quarterbacks. You know, the extreme might be like Brett Favre, like just quarterbacks that you have to give them a little bit of latitude to just draw their like uh, you know improvise. Uh, even Peyton Manning threw a lot of interceptions. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, play, they have to, there's a functional learning that comes in those first few years of the career, too. That's the other thing is that Sam Donald's in the year two of his career, and his first year with, in, with the Gates, low gains, powerhouse, offensive brain trust. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's still a project. I will make an exception for Robbie Anderson because Robbie Anderson looks like an ascendant alpha receiver. And if he has a chance, especially developing with a young quarterback, he's a sixth, seventh round pick who could easily be like a 1,200-yard, 10-touchdown receiver. Easily. Uh, yeah, so, you talk about yeah. you. You talk about that steady drumbeat. Uh, there's a different. Uh, we can't really get into it now, but there's a couple things on the steady drumbeat. You're more talking about where you consistently hear certain stories about a player, and you know, uh, most of the time when you hear the steady drumbeat, it turns out to be true. In, in, in this case, the steady drumbeat is that once a quarterback and a receiver uh, uh, and his number one receiver kind of connect, it tends to last. And that's that's one of my little theories that has helped me to be very good in fantasy the last couple of years. And you've mentioned two guys. Uh, One is Robbie Anderson, who really seemed to, you know, that connection with Darnold really seemed to click the last few games and Marquise Goodwin with Jimmy Garoppolo the year mm-hmm. before. I Thank mean, you. it was it was absolutely obvious that those two were in love. Well, and that's all we heard last summer was that they, they, they're man, wow, Goodwin looks like the number one receiver in this offense. And people are saying, well, his snaps will be reduced; it'll be more like Taylor Gabriel. Okay, maybe, but it like, I'll, I'll I'll take my chances whenever the drumbeat. And you talk about the straight drum drumbeat. What's the, Todd? There's a name for it. I can't remember what it is. When like an army like a is marching across a bridge, and they and then because they're all in step, it can like break the bridge, you know, like the amplification of the of the beat, right? Yep. That's what that's what we're looking for in fantasy football, where like it starts with the one story, and then another story kind of gets gets there's two and then three and then four, and and it was getting like that with Goodwin before he got hurt last year. Um, and some of the other players, real quick, I'll talk about this year. I'm just going to mention it. I mean, we have to mention Devontae Parker just because it is a new coach, new regime, new quarterback. Ryan Fitzpatrick does create fantasy value with his receivers. Um, Kiki That's Kiki, the big question, though. Is he going to be the one yeah. playing? Right. I, I mean, agree it sounds with you. like early returns are at first, it looks like the Fitzpatrick is, is widely ahead of Josh Rosen. Now, Josh Rosen, the Dolphins have to see what they have in Rosen by the end of the year to determine what they're going to do in the draft next year. But it's going to happen again to Rosen. It's going to happen two years in a row. But at first, I think they'll go out there with Fitzpatrick. Kiki Cutie, Chris Conley. So here's an example, right? First drumbeat, Foles recruited Conley. Why? Because, as you said, quarterback chemistry, quarterback-receiver chemistry is a real thing. It's really important in fantasy football. And if Foles is recruiting Conley, that's a hint. That's a, like we're detectives looking for clues, leads, you know? That's a lead. Number two, Conley looks good in spring. Okay, now let's tune in and hear what comes next. That's where you, right now as a fantasy football player, you should just be really receptive, really open-minded, and ready to let camp in the preseason start to teach you about what's going to happen this upcoming year. And the way you do that is, is fully grasping where we're at and where that drum beat is. Ronald Jones. Um, Chris Moore is interesting. 
you know, because we're looking ahead too. So we've heard like beat number one and beat number two for Conley. Well, Chris Moore's beat number one has been the little bit he's gotten used. He's been an impact player. He pops. They just haven't used him much. Well, same thing now with Albert to... Wilson. Uh, you know, I you know I love Andy Reid, but the number two in an Andy number two wide receiver in an Andy Reid offense, uh, unless you want to go and say James Thrash was something. There's a name for you from the past. Uh, you know, he he he. You know, he really hasn't done much with his number two wide receiver. So, and in, in, I think that. Um, Looking at Chris Moore is fascinating because he's popped when he's played. You're hearing good things. Like the owner even brought him up. And then you also have the two rookies that are both hurt. So one of the things where we where there's ADP arbitrage to be gained, and I'm guilty of this as much as anybody, is we're really optimistic about rookies right now. We're really optimistic about the impact they're going to make and like the amount of the offensive pie they're going to eat. And some of them are going to even eat more than that. But injuries are going to happen. They're going to be overwhelmed. They're going to hit the rookie wall. And some of the veteran players that we're not really giving as much thought to right now because we expect a rookie to hit the ground running, like Devin Funches could be another good example with Paris Campbell. Like he should be – like Funches is going to get the first chance to really make an impact as, an, as, as a secondary receiver to T.Y. Hilton. So more is interesting. And then so if you look up ahead and if Marquise Brown's not ready to run and Miles Boykin hurts that hamstring again – now you have Chris Moore likely coming into the season as the uncontested number one for Lamar Jackson. Okay, so that's just the first part of it. But the second part of it is if you look at Baltimore's schedule, you look at the Ravens' early schedule, and I, I really want like this is a time now, like we're deep enough into our preparation that you should be able to start thinking about where the hot starts are going to come from because in these redraft leagues, especially, it's all about the hot start. Here's the first three games for the Ravens this year. The Dolphins, the Cardinals, and the Chiefs. Wow. I mean, you think a more ideal first three games for offensive output? Uh, no, <laughs> I, I, I really so, couldn't. Uh, so let, me ask Morris, you, let me ask you one or two more things before we, we, uh, we, we go. Uh, you know, we've given the, the team some offenses to chase. I want to give them some offenses that we're down right. on. And I saw you had a tweet today about the Redskins. So uh, right. let, let's start with the Redskins and then maybe let's just bounce a couple teams that we think are overpriced. Sure. So, so look, um, the Washington, you're not going to miss out on anything great. I mean, Darius Geis. I mean, this is not going to be a great successful offense. And the Trent Williams thing could make it even worse if he really just has a falling out with the team. The Giants. I'm not taking Saquon Barkley number one, and I'm probably not drafting Golden Tate or Sterling Shepard or Evan Ingram because I just don't see with Daniel Jones slash Eli Manning a quarterback this being an overachieving offense in any way. Then you look at the boring offenses, right? Detroit leads off the boring offenses. There's, there's just, a big one. Well, I mean, carry on Johnson could over. I love Kenny Galladay. He was one of my most owned players last year, but right. at, in the fourth round, he's right. a fade now. for me. Right. It's a fade because of the price. Because what was Kenny Galladay? What were we getting Kenny Galladay for last year, Todd? Like eighth, ninth round pick, rounds right? At this time, maybe tenth round by the time the season started. Right, and now he's a fourth round, fifth round pick. No, thank you. I mean, if you're going to dabble there, maybe Marvin Jones. But I just, I'm wondering if he's going to break down or get traded midseason like Golden Tate did, because of Detroit's blueprint really being like the thundering herd. And that's, I mean, Carryon Johnson. I'm not fading the whole whole offense. Carryon Johnson could be good. Now, Seattle and Minnesota are boring. Carrion's the one guy for me. Carrion's yeah, the one yeah, guy. Yeah, he early fourth back. Yep. And that's another one, Todd. Another one where you can start in the first, second round. If you get, like, slot 9, 10, 11 in a draft, you could start, like, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, or, or Tra- Travis Kelsey and Michael Thomas or whatever, and then come back and get Carrion Johnson as one of your top two running backs. It's like, I think those are going to be a lot of winning teams this year. Seattle – is going to be boring, but Russell Wilson's so good. I mean, if Tyler Lockett just gets like 15 or 20 more targets this year than he got last year, he could be a top 15 receiver. He's a fourth, yeah. fifth round pick. Um, he, he played very I, well in the slot too, and now Baldwin is gone, gone. Fascinating. And Minnesota, you know, maybe the offensive line firms up a little bit, and it's better than what we saw. But from all indications, this is going to be a boring offense. And Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, even though they're great players, and they showed us like Thielen was the number receiver for the first half of the year. I just don't think this is going to be an offense that creates like big spike ceiling games in the passing game. 
two, two that I got for you. Uh, one is the Denver Broncos. Um, I, I just, you know, Emmanuel Sanders coming off an Achilles. I love the guy, but, you know, older receiver, Achilles, Joe Flacco at quarterback. I like Philip Lindsay. He's another one you could throw into that. You know, his ADP has been dropping. If you like Royce Freeman later, that's not a bad ADP. But Cortland Sutton looked very raw. I don't know that yep. Joe Flacco is going to bring it out of him. And the other one we already talked about, I think the Jets, uh, other than Robbie Anderson, are, are the, the prices aren't where I want them to be. Well, in the Broncos, I'll give you the only story I can tell, Todd, that where the Broncos surprise us in a nice way. And that's because the quarterback play has been so bad lately that Joe Flacco is actually an upgrade. So that's the best I can do. And that's true. Mike, Mike, Mike Munchak. The other one I think could be Mike Munchak. That's more credible. Mike Munchak and the offensive line, right? So they're going to have a turnaround on the offensive line. But look, what's the angle here? Because Lindsey and Freeman are going to split more than they split last year, a backfield that's going to be somewhat productive, but you know, not a New Orleans, New England-level backfield, okay? Then you have Sanders. Maybe we don't have enough confidence in Sanders' Achilles to draft him, but he's going to play enough that we shouldn't have confidence in Deshaun Hamilton or Corlin Sutton to have consistent impact. It, Same thing it, with Noah Fant. That's Another thing, Noah Fant, rookie, probably not going to make a big enough fantasy impact to matter in fantasy leagues, but will take enough away to make it harder for everybody else to have a consistent impact. So I think you're absolutely you, right You know there. who I that think means, of with Fant? Go ahead. Uh, Njoku. Yeah, well, with Njoku. You know, really talented, highly regarded I, coming out, but very raw, and then you're expecting big things in year one. Right. But it still functions as a drag on the value of everybody else because he's going to get some opportunity because they want to use their first hit. So it's, so it's a jumble. So I agree with you that Denver is a, is a one to kind of put a line through and say it's really hard. Royce Freeman's interesting. He's a drumbeat player for sure. And Lindsey's wrist injury was pretty bad. I mean, worse, I think people are thinking of it more like just a little nick or something like that. It was a really bad wrist injury. So Royce Freeman is going to be a better system for him. And I'm remembering the name Rich Scangarello there, their new offensive coordinator, another Kyle Shanahan convert, protege. Um, but the idea of the Denver in upcoming years, too, isn't great because was it going to be the Drew Locke era or who knows what? So Denver's going to be main a bottom 10 offense. It, it, it might be the after John Elway era. Yeah, well, if they actually have an owner or someone that's like steering the ship. But that's a more of like a soap opera, like gossip kind of story than the kind of stuff we've been talking about. Yep. Uh, all right. That, uh, you know, Sig, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I think we covered most of the key things I wanted to cover is that I know you're going on vacation. You're going anywhere wet, uh, nice. And uh, is there anything you'd like anyone out there to know before we uh, wrap this up? No, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, well, what I want people to know is that you and I are in the same there we go. We, I knew I forgot Fine. something. Go ahead. Go for it. Yeah. No. I didn't even look. I'm drafting eighth. What are you drafting, Todd? Uh, I think I'm fifth. I'm fifth. Well, we're gonna get, we'll get in each other's way a little bit, but not too I, much. I, I, but, I think yeah. that is now inevitable after this conversation. Uh, well, yeah. Well, you know, I don't mind that. I mean, the Scott Fishbowl is such about goodwill and, and, and good uh, just good times in, in, in our community. Um, I'm going on vacation to the North County uh, part of San Diego, the, the little beach towns around there, Del Mar and Encinitas uh, and, and Cardiff and you know, awesome. the surfer, the surfer beach by Mary. It's a, it's a, and I'm going to find, I'm going to officially get married to the love of my life, Kate. Um, it's a place that she that's near and dear to her heart. Get married down on the beach. I'm really excited on seven, seven, but good luck. Uh, that and, is that's uh, amazing news. I did not know yeah. that. Congratulations, oh, well, and may it may 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 you be blessed uh, abundantly. Well, may everybody thank you. I feel blessed. I feel I already feel blessed abundantly. Let me tell you. Um, as far as as far as what what uh, you know other things going on. I mean, just football guys, whatever fantasy football community. You know us. We're out there doing what we do um, every year. Is it gets fantasy football gets bigger and bigger. And there's more and more people out there. And I like, and I've always noticed this about you, Todd, and the way you go out about your business. Uh, and, and before the show, we chatted, and you, know, you said, I think we have a commonality in like how we go about our business and basically just like interacting with everybody. 
And even though the fantasy football community gets larger and there's more and more people out there, and when it's just made up of one-to-one interactions, like the interaction we've just had for the last hour, that's really what it's made up of, always at the atomic level, and having positive interactions and just sharing in this thing that you know, we all are interested in, passionate even about, um, and, and creating uh, um, relationships. And uh, that's, con- that's the thing that continues to make fantasy football go, hopefully more than you know, sports betting or other things that are coming up. And uh, it's just a joy to get to be part of it's a joy to get to be part of that. But Todd, you know what I'm talking about, right? Because I do. People, but there's people that. It, like, but it's like, like that in that, like, every walk of life. You have people who are in it for the right reasons, and then the, and then you know some in the middle and some not so much. Well, it's 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 interesting because it's it's almost like mathematical uh, the the relationship, Todd. Because you not you know what I'm talking about, and I'm you know we're we have our fantasy football Twitter, which is kind of like the virtual like hangout that we all have, like our 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 our, our, our infinitely long sports bar that we're all sitting at, and we're all interacting <laughs> with each other. And in you and I and everybody else, the personalities, I'm making air quotes, of the fantasy football business, like we have a presence in people's lives. Like they like y'all who are listening right now, like let us into your life and we have something of value for you. And a lot of you will pop up, maybe have a little joke or a little barb or like add a comment when we're on Twitter or interact with us in a way that acknowledges that, you know, you were part of that experience, read something that we wrote or are paying attention to like how our Scott Fishbowl team is doing or whatever. And that actually, like as much as you let us into your lives and we, you get something from us, in those moments, we're getting something from you. And it's, it's, it's like a perfect circle. And I see that you have always like jovially interacted with people. Like I see people in our fantasy football business saying like, oh, like almost like it's a chore to interact with the people that consume what you do. Like that, to me, that's one of the best parts. That's one of the things. That yeah, I, I, I love giving back. I've probably had 15 to 25 people on my pod who it was their first podcast ever. And it all came from my wanting to give to others what I wanted when I first showed up on Twitter with, you know, 37 followers and a dream. And I've always purported mm-hmm. myself to be a guy who thinks he's good at fantasy football, but you know, also wants to, for the most part, be a a good person and believe the best in people. And, uh, you know, the the easiest way for me to block someone, and it doesn't happen often, but if you're super (laughs) negative, I might might entertain you for a few minutes, but ultimately I'll mute you or, or, you know, I won't block too many people, but I'll mute you because uh, life's too short to go through that negative energy. And I, I want to be, you know, when, when I think, you know, and and it's funny, people say analyst Todd Burroughs or, you know, and I've always just seen myself as a guy who likes talking about football, who started a podcast and did some work, but really I don't feel that I'm any different from all our listeners who are just trying to be good at fantasy football. Yeah, well, and and really, we're just trying to like keep each other company in a way that's enjoyable. Like, you just want to be, we just want to be one of the people that like you would invite over to watch the football game with you because it makes it more enjoyable to watch football with that person. And if and, you want, and I like free food. Yeah, that yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yes, free pizza still works the way it did when I was like twenty years old. Where's the free pizza? Um, but it's funny because you mentioned the negativity, and the beautiful thing about our fantasy football world as it gets larger is if you want to bring negativity, there are fantasy football analysts out there who will probably um, meet you with that negativity, and you can engage in that negativity play of being negative towards each other and 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 you know rankling. But we're positive, and that's I love it that we keep try to keep it positive and then I, I carry that over into my life um and it helps and i and and you know people reach out to me and say like oh like listening and it helps getting through hard times getting to do this for everybody helps get me i don't want to speak for you todd i'm assuming you, you do like it's like we do you do for us what we're doing for you absolutely all right that's going to do it for this episode i want to thank sigmund for coming on uh, it's just amazing that, you know, guys like him who have 80,000 followers are willing to come on and just, you know, like he said, just uh, like we're hanging out at a coffee bar or an alcoholic bar uh, talking about the the game that we love. And uh, Sig, thank you very much for coming on. You can follow him on Twitter if you're not already and you're following me. I don't know what you're thinking, but uh, follow him at Sigmund Bloom. Uh, You'll know you're there when you see Sigmund the Sea Monster. That's going to do it for this episode of Run to Daylight. 
this uh, Saturday night for uh, Sigmund's listeners, I'm going to be doing my first get in the ring draft. And basically what that is, it's the, it's, it's exactly what Sig was talking about channeling some of that negative energy into a contest where fans, high stakes players, and guys like me are involved. So check out my timeline and uh, you can sign up for one too. That'll do it. And we will have a nice day.